the biggest thing that you're going to encounter that's a potential saboteur is fear. And it's going to be this really kind of sick feeling in the pit of your stomach that's going to come up again and again when things don't necessarily go exactly the way you plan. But I'm going to share a piece of advice that I actually got when I was still in banking and considering the initial purchase. Welcome to Queer Hustle, where we talk to the hottest up-and-coming queer entrepreneurs about growing businesses, creating dream lifestyles, and taking care of each other. Your host, Michelle Coyle, sits down to work together to explore what's possible when you approach business with full authenticity. Hey everybody, I'm Michelle Coyle, and this is Queer Hustle. And we are showcasing queer entrepreneurs all over the country uh, to help you figure out how to start up and scale. And today, I'm really, really excited to be talking to Joey, Joey Fleener from Greenscape Geeks. You want to introduce yourself to our crew here? Hello, I'm Joey. I'm one half of Greenscape Geeks. So we focus on chemical-free materials, native plants, converting both residential and commercial properties to being more green. Such a cool business. And when I first met Joey, I was so excited to hear about the work that you were doing because it's not just about landscaping, but it's about landscaping in a sustainable way, environmentally friendly, that actually not only doesn't harm the environment, but actually enhances the environment. Such a cool idea. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? And the, and what was exciting to you about that in the first place? Yeah. So what originally appealed to me about this business is the fact that it's one of those few things where you have something tangible that you can do for the environment and then on a local local level. So one of the big things that we do is uh, wildlife habitat restoration. And so basically what that means is that we look at these properties and not only are we offering them beautiful designs, but everything that we put in there serves as a habitat and food source for animals, insects, the local ecosystem, you name it. We love working with people who have a social mission with their business, and I just love how this uh, enhances and gives back. It's a little bit interesting how you and, and and Michael, your partner, your business partner, got into this business because unlike a lot of the people that we talked to who started from something from scratch, uh, you actually purchased this business. Tell us a little bit about that. What was that like? Uh, were you looking to buy this kind of business? Did this happen? You know, just happened in your lap, or how did that go? Uh, how did that happen? How'd you go about that? So yeah, the purchase was actually really interesting and. It was kind of one of those things that it really just, it fell into our lap. I knew Michael for about, oh gosh, I can't even keep track of the years anymore. With all these months and <laughs> restriction, it feels like it's been 10 years. Um, so I've known Michael since 2012. So I guess that puts us at, at eight years. And at the time it was the end of 2017 when we initially started talking about the business purchase. And it was his friend from grad school at Ball State University where he had got his master's degree in landscape architecture. They had started the business in 2013, I believe. And they'd had it for about four years at that point, And they were wanting to sell it and move to Pennsylvania. And it was one of those things that just kind of casually popped up in conversation because we both were basically venting back and forth to each other about how much we just really were hating our current careers. I was in, banking at the time, focused primarily in investment sales and was just really kind of done with corporate America because I wasn't, wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. Um, I wasn't moving up like I, like I had hoped. And Michael was doing insurance sales, experiencing something 
very similar, not being able to to do what he wanted or use his degree or, or really focus on what his passion was. It started out as a joke, like, oh, well, we should just we should just do this. And then we really sat down and, and thought about it and it became increasingly more serious until we just decided to take the risk and jump head on into it and started the discussions, got the purchase agreement going and eventually finished the business purchase in March of 2018. You had a business that was in business. It was, it was making money. There were some clients, but you know, it maybe was kind of flagging a little bit and then you took it over and the thing just went through the roof. We were very fortunate that the business that we bought had a really great mission and branding and everything that they were doing and offering was great for you know, the community, great for homeowners and, and businesses, but they didn't have the business acumen to really kind of take it to the next level. They were really great at what they did and they were extremely knowledgeable about the changes that they were making as far as um, converting properties to green or removing chemicals, what have you with native plants. They just didn't have a, well, they didn't have a marketing strategy. I, I will say that. So one of the biggest things that we did is when we took it over is really concrete that branding down and then convert that over into the marketing strategy, find out you know, who our target clients were, where they were getting their information, what appealed to them, put it into place. And within that first year, we had 500% growth from what they had in the year prior the next year was 300%. And then this year I'm looking at, even with pandemic issues, I would say probably about a, a 50% growth over last year. Almost like if anyone's staying in business at all, we're like, woo, congratulations on like making it through and staying alive <laughs> and growing in a year like this is, is really, really incredible. You know, you mentioned that both of you, you and Michael, were both feeling really kind of stifled in your in your jobs before and just feeling like maybe uninspired and wanting to do something different. A lot of the queer entrepreneurs that, that we talk to are feeling not only that, but also, you know, mistreated, oppressed, marginalized in their job. And often entrepreneurship can be a way uh, that people can go and kind of control their own destiny and say, not only can I go and not be treated like this and still make money, but I can also do what I want. I can be in control and I can create a company that, you know, that has a better culture, a different culture. And I can get employees and treat them differently or treat them better than the way I've been treated. Was there any of that that came into play for you? And you know, what, how did that inform your decision to go into business for yourself? That was probably the biggest motivating factor for our decision to purchase the business was the fact that we were just done with feeling trapped. We both felt like we were stuck and I know for me, like I had stress acne and I was graying through here and, and drinking way more than what I should have and not taking care of myself at all because I was just so stressed about what was going on with work and not being able to do the things that I wanted to do and not getting where I wanted to be. It just it really weighed down on me heavily and I'd got to the point where I felt like I there wasn't much that I could do to change that because everything that I had had tried before, I just kept getting knocked down and knocked down and, and looked over for, uh, for different positions and, and promotions and, and whatever else. And it was really frustrating. And I just, I know that I had had enough of it and it just came to the point where I had a breaking point and decided, you know, this opportunity popped up. I'm tired of living like this and hope to God this savings lasts for a few months and we'll see what happens. And, and fortunately, it was the right decision. It's always, it's always funny people get to that point of like, you know what, uh, this is scary and this is, is hard and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, but 
I'd rather try that than do whatever I'm doing. You know, it's better than whatever has been going on. So I'm going to go ahead and take the leap. And that's a story that I hear over and over. And when I experience myself, you brought up a really kind of important point that I want to dig in on there because I don't think we talk enough about it, which is that sometimes uh, this type of oppression or discrimination in the workplace isn't overt, right? When you think about discrimination or what, is, what does it look like? It's not somebody walking in and being like, you're gay, so I'm not going to promote you. It's just a little bit insidious a lot of the time. I mean, it's not that overt oppression doesn't happen to people. It does. But most of the oppression and discrimination that, that marginalized folks face in corporate America is a little bit under the radar. It's a little bit insidious. And it can start to make you feel like you're crazy, right? Like, am I, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I just really not that good at this? Or is it because I'm gay? Is, am I just, you know, am I not great at this? Or is it because I'm a woman or whatever, right? Like whatever's going on. And you start to think, is this discrimination or not? Or do they just not like me? Or am I just not doing a good job? And you don't exactly know what's happening. And that takes up the mental bandwidth. And then it becomes sort of a, self, a you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy because then you're walking around in your job worrying about that stuff all day instead of being focused on the job that you're supposed to do. Well, I've been out both personally and professionally since I was 14 years old. Well, I thought I blended in pretty well until I saw myself on the news a couple months ago. And I'm like, ooh, that voice is a train wreck. But that's a story for another day. But even in the last position that I was in, I, I was trying so hard to like get this, this validation from people that I don't think would ever give it. I don't know if it was one of those things where it was malicious or is it just a, you know, a subconscious thing? Like I worked heavily on getting my MBA. I was the only one in my position in the whole freaking company that had it yet still couldn't get promoted. I was top in sales for a couple months and they would do these meetings where they would review the different, you know, investment changes that were going on and people's performance from month prior and they would pass out certificates yet conveniently every time I would be at the top they would never do the certificates so like I don't know if that's that's me just overanalyzing it or if that actually really was going on but I the more that I think about it now having been gone like there probably were things that were happening whether you know over or not because I had similar experiences. I'm, I'm, I'm literally metrically outperforming everybody. I'm the only person here with an MBA and yet I'm still not getting promoted. I'm getting passed over. I'm getting even that, that, you know, some of that sexist feedback, like uh, you're too assertive or you're too, you know, <laughs> you're trying to, trying to do too much. And then right. you get to that point where you just go, you know what, I think I can do this better. And I think I'm just going to go do it myself. Right. And I think, and you and I have talked about the fact that we both kind of got to that point of like, you know what, I'm, I'm out. I'm gonna, I'm just going to try it. So now that you are the boss, how do you think about how you want to be a boss that's different from the way that you were treated? What kind of culture and environment are you, uh, you know, deliberately trying to create so that people don't feel that way? So that's one of the big things that we actually push within our own company culture. And then especially when we're doing um, new hiring as well. That's if I'm the one that's that's hiring, although I don't do much of that anymore. Um, I have a general manager that's taken over a good majority of that. One of the things that we talk about is how we don't want to treat people like we were treated in our positions prior. Like I'm not going to do those micromanaging shenanigans that I had to put up with. We reward effort. I mean, we already pay people a higher living wage than, than what most companies do in this area, which I take a lot of pride in. But then we also reward performance too. So we definitely make sure that we're giving that acknowledgement that neither of us got. In addition to the things that we do just on a business level, I mean, that's, that's extremely rewarding to be able to, to offer that opportunity. 
Absolutely. I think, you know, you hear that, that thing that's like, be the person that you needed when you were younger, but that's one of the yes. best about entrepreneurship is that you do get to, to be the boss that you didn't have. And you do get to be the leader that, you know, you didn't see. Right. And we're still learning and, and perfecting things too. And, and it's a constant, you know, feedback process, which I think is important as well, because I don't know everything. Um, and I, I wholeheartedly admit that. So the employees still teach me stuff all the time. And the biggest thing that we've had this year is just the acceptance of new ideas, new ways of doing things, which has been crucial to um, making the business continue to function, um, especially in a changing environment. So yeah, just having that openness is, is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And always being learning, always being open to learning is such an important part of, of leadership. You know, Joe, you're one of the most impressive people that I know, and not just from a business standpoint, because obviously you've had this tremendous business growth and you've taken this business over and just done amazing things with it. You've also had a, a really uh, impressive physical transformation over the past couple of years. You know, you've gotten yourself in shape. Joey, uh, for those of you who don't know him, has been posting before and after pics on the internet. Just one of these really incredible things. I, I want to, I bring that up, not because it has a lot to do with business on the surface, but because it really does, you know, when you get a little deeper down, come down to the same thing, which is setting a big outcome, setting yourself a big goal, and then really like breaking down how to follow through on that goal. How, what parallels do you see there? Well, I started my fitness transformation in the early part of 2019. And then uh, May 20th or whatever, we'll just say in May, I had hit the heaviest that I've ever been in my life, which was 286 pounds. And I was doing things, but I wasn't really... I wasn't putting in all of the effort that I needed to. So it was that, it was kind of like before when, when we had the, the breaking point with corporate America for buying the business, I had a personal breaking point with myself where I said, enough is enough. I need to put these goals into place and do the things that I need to do on a daily basis to get to where I want to be. Now I'm down about 80 pounds of fat and up 15 pounds of muscle, which is phenomenal, but it was a lot of work. And it's the same way with business. And the way you do these goal setting, it's not like, well, this is what the end goal is. And then we don't have any way to get there. The goal is to do the things every day that it takes to get you there. And I think a lot of people forget the, the actions in between. They look at A to Z, but they don't look at all the letters in between to get to start to finish. And so that's one of the big things that has probably translated over from business to personal is the fact that you have to do these things all the time or you're never going to get where you want. Yeah, consistency is so important. And we talk about uh, in entrepreneurship a lot, everything being figure outable, you know, set your goal, and then we can always figure out how to get there if we want it badly enough, you know, not always by ourselves, sometimes we have to bring in other people, we have to get resourceful, we have to find time, we have to find money, we have to find talent, knowledge, education, whatever, but whatever we want to do, we can figure it out if we want to do it badly enough. Right. And then it is about taking those consistent daily actions to get there to the point where you get to your outcome. Like you have made this huge physical transformation, lost 80 pounds of fat, like you said, and you get a, you know, your business is blowing up, you're making money and somebody comes to you and they say something uh, seemingly nice, but actually kind of annoying, like, man, I wish I could do that. And you say, yeah, you can go to the fucking gym every day right? <laughs> if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because I have people messaging me in Facebook every now and then and they're like, how do you do this? Like, how, how do you do this on 
you know, a, a daily, a weekly, monthly basis. And I tell them, I said, every day is a struggle. It's yeah. not easy. Like I have to force myself to go to the gym. Yeah. Now, granted, it's gotten easier as I've gotten in better shape and, and my um, brain chemistry has changed a little bit. I don't want to go in there, but still the biggest part of that is just starting. It's getting in the car and it's showing up. And that's the same thing for business too. The biggest thing that you have to do is just start. That's the main hurdle that you're ever going to encounter is just starting. I mean, if we had never bought the business in the first place, it's that same thing. You just have to start. You have to jump in head on. Yeah, it's scary. It sucks. But you're not going to get what you want if you don't try. You don't begin the process. Absolutely. This is one of those things where we say, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? You just have to start. It's simple. It's not easy. The only way to fail is to quit. It's simple, but it's not easy. But if you start and you don't quit, that's about 90% of success in, you know, in, in business, in fitness, in, in, in education, and really in the pursuit of any type of a goal. And then just, yeah, like you said, just showing up every day, whether you feel like it or not, and getting through it. And hopefully uh, it does get easier. It does get better. And you start to enjoy it more and more you know, as you go along. What would you say to somebody that's really just at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey, that's really scared to take that leap, you know, that doesn't have those, those outcomes that we get as we go, we get outcomes, we get money coming in these, you know, we get, we get press, we get things that make us feel good and that reinforce that we're doing the right thing. But when you've started, if you go back to that mindset, you haven't had any of those things kind of underlying or reinforcing that this is the right thing to do. It's just terrifying. What would you say to that person about faith? So I would tell them that the biggest thing that you're going to encounter, that's a potential saboteur is fear. And it's going to be this really kind of sick feeling in the pit of your stomach that's going to come up again and again when things don't necessarily go exactly the way you plan. But I'm going to share a piece of advice that I actually got when I was still in banking and considering the initial purchase. I had a couple commercial clients, one of which his name was Fred. I won't say his last name for, for privacy reasons, but he owned a local company that did all of the upholstery for the universities. And he was getting ready to switch that over to his daughter. And I asked him, I said, you know, Fred, what's the, what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give me going into this? And I'll never forget it because I wish I'd listened to it sooner and didn't. Um, Cause I thought he was just, you know, making an old man joke, but he, he's dead on. He said, shit's always going to go wrong. You just have to accept it, deal with it and move on. And I made myself crazy for the first nine months, not accepting the fact that shit's going to go wrong. And I tried to constantly control everything, have every alternative planned out with alternatives. And it was turned into this whole root system of things that I never needed to worry about because there were so many things at the time that I didn't necessarily have control over that I was just making myself nuts and, and wasting energy. So don't be afraid of things going wrong because they're going to happen. When I talk to, when I talk to people that are, are just starting out and they, you know, the fear comes up and they say, I'm afraid to fail. I say, I'm going to just take that away from you right now. You are going to fail. So don't worry about it. <laughs> like it's going to happen. You're going to fail. Yeah. Every day, you know, if you're doing it right, you're going to fail a little bit every day. You're going to screw something up literally daily and you're going to learn from that every day and we get better. And, you know, as things get easier, new challenges arise, right? You know, once you figure out how to run a business by yourself, then you uh, have an employee and that is a new challenge. Once you figure out how to manage one or two or three employees, then you got 10, then you got 15. That's new challenge. You got new locations. That's new challenges, right? It's, it's, it's never, uh, challenges never stop. You just get stronger and, and uh, better at meeting them, right? 
And then once you think you've got most everything figured out, then we have a worldwide pandemic and potential economic recession, and you've got to rethink the way you do business yet again. Exactly. So it's just, yeah, it's always a, it's always a learning process. I made many mistakes my first year, made several mistakes the second year, and I've made just a few this year. So we're getting less and less every year. We're, we're learning. So it's a, it's a growing process. Absolutely. So I don't want to put you, put you on the spot or blow up your spot, but if you want to tell, tell us any kind of spoiler alerts, uh, sneak peeks about the future of Greenscape Geeks or what you're working on, I'd love to hear about it. Well, we've, we've kind of put a few things on the back burner just because of, of a lot of unknowns, but we're, we're still continuing to grow, still on track to have other locations open sometime in the near future. I don't exactly know when at, at this point, but we are also going to be implementing a couple new things with, uh, as far as composting goes too. So that'll be kind of like a subscription-based service that will basically help people kind of deal with, with compost without necessarily having it on site. This is modeled after the way that some Canadian cities actually do compost with their trash pickup, which is a little bit interesting. So I'm not going to say too much else. Really awesome. You know, the fact that you uh, you guys are continually innovating and coming up with ways not only to grow the business and make more money, but also to actually advance the mission of being more helpful to the environment and coming up with new ways that are more efficient for people to be able to have beautiful surroundings and enhance the environment literally as well as visually. That's really, really, really cool. And I'm just really proud of you and just really excited to, to, to keep watching what you do. Is there anything you would say, I'll say before we go, again, a lot of the people that watch this and, and listen to this are folks that are, are just starting out, they're inspiring uh, queer entrepreneurs. If you had to kind of distill it down to one piece of advice to somebody thinking about taking this leap, what would you tell them? I'm going to do one piece of advice, but I'm going to do it in three parts. So it's technically three pieces of advice. So you're getting, you're getting two free. You're welcome. I tell, I tell new business owners and I do some work with um, students as well for, for Butler. And I, I basically say the same thing over and over and over again. Starting and owning a business really comes down to three things. And the first thing is you have to have something that somebody wants you have to have customers to buy it just because you think that, you know, your idea is the greatest in the world. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to sell. It could be a great idea, but the point of business in the end is to make money. So the second piece of that is you have to know who those people are that want it. So doing market research, talking to people, getting interviews, um, figuring out who that market is, is crucial because if you don't do that, then you can't move on to the third piece of that. And that's having a way for them to get it, which is where the, a very well executed marketing plan is key. So like, you have to know who that person is, where they shop, what they, what they read, how they do their searches, where they get information, all of that. So that's, that's my plug for the day. I love a marketing geek after my own <laughs> Joey, thanks so much for joining us. Joey Fleener, Greenscape Geeks. Indianapolis, Indiana, if you're out there, look them up. If you need a pretty yard and you want to help the environment, these are you guys. So happy to have you joining us today. We really appreciate your Thank time. Thank you. And we do design remotely for any state. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anybody, anywhere. Call Joey. Greenscape Geeks. I may not do the install, but I'll definitely do the design. That sounds good. Thanks so much for joining us. Always love to see you. Thank you, Michelle. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Queer Hustle. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, 
please visit michellecoyle.com slash podcast. There, you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com slash queerhustle. Until we meet again next week, go out there and let it shine.